This week, PSG continued to march on like a footballing terminator, swatting aside Dijon to book a place in the Coupe de France semi-finals, and seeing off struggling Caen thanks to that man Mbappe. Is there anything he can't do? But now Tuchel's men face Judgment Day, as Man United come to town looking for Champions League revenge. Will Paris hold their nerve, or will the Red Devils find salvation? I'm Matt, and this is PSG Talking. So, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of PSG Talking. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Gooding, and uh, with me I've got two of our... Well, I'm going to say regular podcast members, but um, we've actually got um, one on the line who's uh, a little less regular than uh, than, than the rest of us. Um, so here with me, I've got um, Ecuador's uh, biggest PSG fan, possibly only, <laughs> possibly only PSG fan, I'm not sure, uh, Kose Espinosa. Kose, how are you doing? Uh, I'm just I'm glad to be here, glad to get a chance to do this again. Excellent. Yeah, it's good to have you. And uh, also with us, we've got um, we've got Zach now. Um, Long-term uh, listeners to the podcast uh, may remember Zach. I think you've been on before, haven't you? But when do you know when yeah, you were it, last on? It, I think it was episode 10. <laughs> okay. Um, Quite a while ago. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure what episode we're on now, but um, I guess, like, who was manager back then? Was it, like, Anton Comburave, or did we have Guillaume Waro and uh, Mever Erding uh, up front? No? It was It was still Laurent Blanc. Yeah, blimey. Wow. <laughs> Good times, Laurent Blanc, how we miss him. Um, anyway, um, we're going to talk about matters a bit more current on tonight's show. We're going to look back at the sort of last week in PSG and then ahead to uh, what's coming up this week, which is, uh, you know, obviously a big game um, in the Champions League. So, yeah, start off, um, if we start off with Saturday's um, Saturday's league match um, against Caen and uh, ended in a 2-1 victory for PSG. We actually fell behind, um, but... Um, not for long because Kylian Mbappe was uh, soon on hand to uh, equalise from the penalty spot and then uh, popped up with a sort of close range late winner to uh, to secure the victory um, so yeah uh, obviously it wasn't probably a game that will live long in the memory and um, it was quite a much changed lineup with the likes of Nkunku and DRB starting Tom and Mounier coming in etc um, just first of all wanted to sort of get your main takeaways from it if you saw the game what you thought of it and yeah whether what it can sort of what it can sort of tell us in the bigger picture if we start uh we start with Kosei and then we'll go to Zach yeah for sure um I just think that this is a game that was more complicated than we would have wanted it to be but in the end it was I still believe a pretty good workout <laughs> to to prepare for for the game that's coming in um I think that weren't weren't playing bad um, and I was a little bit sad to see that they are not doing as well in the league because they have yeah. a pretty nice stadium um, and I, I don't know if I would like to see them go down but they I, I felt like they, they did a pretty good job and um, we were really pinned against the wall after Ninga who I've always thought is a fantastically talented player yeah, good player scored, scored against us and this one I remember seeing like this uh, academy graduate uh, Sahari or something from Khan. He was playing really well until he handled the ball, which was a uh, <laughs> yeah. penalty. And I think that's what really got uh, Mbappe going. Uh, I, I was super glad that he was able to step up, dig in that penalty, um, obviously then find a, a late winner, which was very important. Um, always keeping the same intensity. Uh, I was listening to one of the few things I'll agree with uh, with uh, commentators when I when they're talking about the matches, how PSG sometimes at this time in the season, you know, we start gaining lead in points, we start uh, being more relaxed in games, and I think sometimes that mentality can cost us uh, in European competition. To see PSG going at it all the time, all the time, regardless of the opposition, whether we score two or whether we score nine, uh, they'll go for it all the time, and I think that is uh, my my biggest takeaway. Uh, including uh, Munir and Paredes, Paredes, who I think both have fantastic matches. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really important point because I think you're exactly right. In previous seasons, you know, we've kind of taken our off the ball in these kind of games, whereas now we seem pretty relentless, even if the performance isn't always like amazing for 90 minutes we're getting the job done and that was certainly the case yesterday I thought um yeah Zach uh, what did you make did you see the game and what did you sort of make of it I did watch um I think both of you covered most of the bases there but uh I was just impressed with uh with uh two shells like ability to continue to motivate the players in games like this um you can easily just look ahead to the Manchester United match, but uh, they went in in an away match and falling behind, you know, they they found a way to come back and uh, get the two goals that were necessary. And, uh, you know, the youth players coming in and playing a role, they didn't have their best matches, both Diaby and Nkunku, but uh, Diaby made the play to get a cross in in the box, you know, to earn that penalty, which Mbappe came in to to equalize. Um, And I just think the more minutes Paredes gets, I think, his involvement um, is really important. So watching him get in there, and just in the last two matches against uh, Dijon and then against Khan, he seems to be really finding his rhythm a lot more, um, really going after those long passes that uh, we signed him for and getting more aggressive on defense as well. Um, but I just think, back to what I originally started with, the team's ability to grind out these wins is really important to just get the three points and continue with business as usual. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's easy to sit here and think, oh, well, we're having quite a comfortable season in Liga and being so far clear of everybody else. But yeah. it hasn't always been like that in previous years, has it? So, uh, so I think No, and, and they haven't been tough wins. You know, <laughs> they've, they've had to get late, late goals and uh, find some rough ways to get back into the match. So it's easy to say they're 20 points up, so it must be a breeze. But Anyone who watches every league on match knows that's not the case, and they're they're hard earned wins. Yeah, definitely. Um, so looking at the sort of the players you mentioned briefly, sort of the youth players there, um, and so looking at the last couple of games, we've seen quite a few changes to the team. Obviously, I'm going back to last week as well, where we had a Coupe de France game against uh, Dijon and uh, came away with a three nil win. Um, Di Maria with a couple of goals. Um, but yeah, who's sort of um, impressed you in the last week in terms of the players coming in? Has there been anyone who's sort of um, staked a claim for a more regular first-team spot or anyone who you think has had a chance and maybe hasn't sort of taken it as well as they could have done? Um, if we go back to Kose again, what do you, what have you sort of made of the players coming in the last couple of games? Right. Um, I mean, I feel like, I'm. first of all, I'm very happy that squad players are able to come in and do their job and play their part and you see Nkunku starting games and Diaby starting games and they take them seriously and they play seriously. Shupa Motting hasn't been able to to really get a, a goal and I still see him, you know, setting up setting up passes, setting up assists. Uh he still he still fights, comes in, plays the the role he has to play. So that's my first takeaways. I'm really happy with that because I always feel that if there is harmony in the squad Everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing. You're just running a much smoother train, um, just in general. And then, apart from that, I think that that Tuchel is going to have um, somewhat of a good problem because Munier has been started kind of slow, wasn't as fantastic in against Dijon, but put in a really, really good shift against Khan. Uh, I think he was asking maybe to be starting against Manchester United. Um, also, like I said before, who are they going to choose? Paredes, Marquinhos, who's going to start in the midfield? Um, he can also play centre-back, of course, Marquinhos. So, I don't know. Is, is the the big versatility being able to change up the squad, put Dani Alves in midfield, do whatever needs to be done to put out a functional eleven that will do the job it's supposed to and get the result? Yeah, definitely. And I thought the um, the promoting is an interesting one because um, the game in midweek for anyone who didn't see it, it felt a bit like a sort of benefit game for promoting Like literally, everyone was the crowd was sort of just chanting his name for no obvious reason apart from that he just seemed like a nice <laughs> chap and it'd be nice if he got a goal. And like even the players, like Di Maria had a couple of chances to score and he was like obviously trying to set Chupo up to get that goal. But I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was interesting. It's probably a measure of the man that um, he uh, he had a chance late on. Uh, to He could have gone for goal himself, especially in that atmosphere. But he chose to to set up uh, to set up Mounier for the uh, for what turned out to be the third goal, which uh, I thought 
you know, said a lot about his character, you know. But um, anyway, good old Chupo. We're going to miss him when he <laughs> goes off to China for, you know, a few million euros um, at some point. Anyway, uh, yeah, Zach, what did you think? Obviously, you mentioned before that you thought maybe Nkunku and Diaby didn't have their best games against Caen. Uh, what have you sort of made of the players coming in in the last couple of weeks? Um, well, I just think uh, Levin Kurzawa's um, return has been pretty good. Yeah, that's a good point, um, actually. Yeah, he, he just looks so much healthier. I, I think in the uh, calm match, he went for like almost like a, a bicycle and like a loose ball, and he you know uh, he hit the crossbar as well. He just looks like he's finally gotten his health back, which is good for the team. Um, and I also think uh, Draxler in his Dijon game, that was probably the best match I've seen him play so far this year. Uh, he just was always getting in dangerous spaces and creating a lot on attack, and uh, he's been a really impressive player. And um, finding him minutes is difficult, especially when Neymar returns. But he's a guy that you just want to see get some more time. Um, and I mentioned uh, Paredes before, but uh, he also has been looking pretty good. Um, we just hope to he continues uh, his passing, and he really establishes uh, some security for Verratti to push forward, which was really evident in the Dijon match as well. Um, that midfield trio really worked out. Um, <clears throat> I just think for the Man- Manchester United match, it'll be kind of a tough pick for who goes into midfield, but we weren't having these types of conversations when the season first started. You know, We wouldn't think we were here now. Oh, wh- where are we going to put all these players? It was the exact opposite, which just goes to show you how well Tuchel has managed this squad. So, uh, yeah, and in terms of players that... I don't think have really lived up the last few weeks. I would, I think I would have to single out Nkunku. I think uh, maybe the rumors in the winter of him leaving yeah. for Arsenal kind of made him feel like he needs to prove himself, and he seems to just kind of be losing a rhythm in, in matches occasionally, like he really wants to score or make a point. Um, he did have a nice goal in the Dijon game, but uh, overall I think his performance could be a little better. Yeah, definitely. I think um, maybe that... Uh it's time for him to move on basically i don't know how he could actually say i think maybe his head was turned by the whole arsenal thing or other things which were going on and uh mm-hmm. it really seems like uh he's not got a future at psg basically which is a shame because he's shown promise over the the last few seasons but he's never really nailed down that that position well even a sort of position in the team let alone uh you know getting into the team on a regular basis so yeah um yeah, and just uh, quickly, obviously, Mbappe, I would say probably not his best game yesterday, but another two goals. I mean, he seems to be getting better and better, doesn't he? I mean, I don't I don't really have any specific point here. Just Mbappe, you're amazing. Like, let's get we married. We could have a whole Why podcast not? on him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you say that, but uh, hopefully there might be something coming up for uh, later in the season. So, yeah. Um, Let's move on, guys, and we'll take a look at the uh, the the big one, which everybody's probably got on their mind now uh, and has had on their mind probably for the last few weeks, which is the Man United game. Uh, obviously, we're going to it in quite a good position, and weird to say, but um, two nil up from the first leg. Paul Pogba's suspended. Life is good, right? I mean, we're definitely going to go through. Yeah, uh, maybe. Um, so yeah, I, basically, I wanted to get you um, your sort of uh, your feelings about the game going into it. How are you feeling? Are you optimistic? Are you a bit nervous? Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, how are you feeling? Do you think we're in good form? Uh, what do you reckon, Kose? Well, I I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. I think that this is one of the games where logic should prevail. And yeah. logic says we should be able to go through. Um, I also think that if there is someone out there that managed to pull a 2-0 win at an away ground after there was a mediatic war going against PSG uh, because of all of our injured players and all that it meant to the turnaround with OGS, and he still managed to get that win. So I am fully trusting Tuchel with whatever he chooses to do in the return leg. If he wants to start Chupo as center back, he's a <laughs> blessing to do so. I am now fully hypnotized by his effects. I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he never runs out of ideas. Um, and I think that 
having a 2-0 lead will allow him to go and show that he can finish all this tie uh, rather than just hold out for a result. Excellent. So Kose is fully on board the uh, the two shell train. Uh, Zach, what you, uh, <laughs> how are you feeling? Are you are you feeling pretty confident, or are you sort of yeah? I'm I'm way? definitely confident. Uh, I'm on the train as well. So Excellent. I'm sitting right next to Kose. Um, <laughs> I'm confident mainly for two reasons, and uh, one is just that the first leg being away and we get the second leg at home um, is such an advantage. I mean, we've seen us play pretty well at home. Um, we all remember what happened when we played Barcelona, and then we go away, and it's not the same. And the same was true when we had Bayern Munich as well. We played very well at home, and we went to Bayern. We maintained, um, we maintained that draw, but uh, we just weren't the same. Having the second leg back in Paris will be very helpful. We already have uh, two goals up on the aggregate, and that'll allow us to play, you know, more or less how we'd like to play. And I, and the other reason is. As we've mentioned, uh, I just think uh, Tuchel will just have a, a great setup and his ability to uh, just put the right mindset in this team to continue to continue to get good results and to stay focused on the objectives and just block out all the noise and all the criticism on how we play in the Champions League and whatnot. Uh, I'm, I'm very confident that they'll uh, pull through. Yeah, definitely. I think it really plays in our favour being at home in the second leg. You look... I know there's only so much you can draw from historic results, but you know we've rarely lost in Champions League games at the at the park going back you know twenty thirty years. So uh, I'm pretty confident as well. I think that we're in a good position, and uh, well, I've made my feelings clear on Man United before. I'm not. I just don't think they're very good anyway. So uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully this is all going to end well. But um, you mentioned there, Zach, uh, briefly the sort of the Barcelona game which uh you know is obviously a recent unhappy memory for us all um <laughs> I, I mean the situations aren't the same because as we've spoken about because we're at home etc etc uh but at the same time it was there were sort of vague similarities there in terms of the the competition and stuff like that i mean a lot of the players who were playing in that game are still around i mean do you think that's gonna play on their mind or do you think you know, it's it's it's, it's going to be irrelevant. Um, uh, what do you think, uh, Kose? Um, I think that it would have preyed uh, on a on an old PSG. I think that the PSG we were used to would have cracked before the first leg, and if they would have have gotten the result out of the first leg, they would definitely crack to the second leg. Uh, I think that many many English. English fans, Manchester United fans were sure that OGS and Man United had what it take to beat PSG at home, uh, especially without the stars. But in the end, Tuchel managed to set out a team that was clearly looking confident, experienced, uh, quick on decisions, certain on, on their intentions. Uh, and I think that's worth more than any player or any formation that you can have is if they go and, and demonstrate that coolness in, in that atmosphere in that situation. So I think that this is just another chance for, for uh, you know, Tuchel and his team to prove that they can rise above um, all of the stuff that's going around them and footballistically be the better team to advance to the next round. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, would you agree with that, uh, Zach? Yeah, I agree. Um, I also just think uh, this season has been different in terms of Champions League. Uh, just through the group stages, I just the team just had a different mentality and they went about their business a different way that just seemed uh, very tangible and noticeable when you compare it to previous seasons. Um, I just think they seem really motivated and uh, I'm, I'm not too worried. I don't think... You, you can never really put something like the Barcelona memory away from you. You know, you're not going to forget it. But yeah. the question is, uh, have you been put in the right position where you can learn from it and make those corrections. And I really think Tuchel has given this team the correct mindset and approach where they can face, uh, you know, a bad memory like that, but then learn from it rather than just keep repeating something like that like we've seen before. So trust in Tuchel and we're set. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, the players who have come in since then who aren't sort of scarred by that memory, you've got quite a lot of guys who are sort of mentally strong, like with William Bappe, you know, he's won the World Cup and done everything for such a young guy and then people like Buffon as well you know with that experience hopefully they're going to guard against these it being a factor 
Uh, I, yeah, I'm pretty pretty confident, as we said before. Um, I mean, in terms of the uh, team selection, uh, we've I think the biggest sort of question marks probably around the midfield area. We've talked about Paredes a little bit, and obviously the sort of combination you picked there. Marquinhos was very impressive in the first leg. Verratti's Verratti, you know, uh, a brilliant player. Um, so I guess the question, my question to you is, what would you do if you were Tuchel in terms of the midfield? Would you play a two or a three? And if you're going to play a two, which two would you pick? Uh, so we'll go to Zach first this time. I think he'll uh, keep running with the lineup he ran against uh, Liverpool, probably where we're going to be in the three-five-two, or in the in the two the pairing there will probably be Marquinhos and Verratti. Um, Man United's going to have to come out and score goals, you know. So to have to have more defensive players on the on the pitch um, with Marquinhos in midfield to help out the back line. And then uh, just to have more space on the wings, um, either I think either Alves or Munier would uh, would do well on the wing on the right, and then uh, or sorry, not on the wing, but just out wide on the right, and then Bernat on the left, and uh, the back three of Kimpembe, Silva, and uh, Kerrer, and Buffon in goal, and then I would put uh, Mbappe and Di Maria with uh, Draxler in the front sure. and. Uh, the same lineup we were running with uh, at Manchester, I would say. That's going to be your best bet. Paredes, although he's been fantastic, I, I just still think you run with what has been working in the Champions League so far. And uh, you try and maybe hit them on the break. And if you can get one goal up, then things are looking great. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. And, uh, yeah, what do, you, what do you make of it, Kose? What would, you, uh, what would your lineup be? No, I agree. I agree completely. I um, I had it. I had it uh, said differently in my head. I I I would have uh, liked to start with a four-two-three-one, uh, but I think my selection is pretty much the same, uh, and I think the idea behind the model is the same too. So I don't really have that much to add. I think that uh, you know Marquinhos played there. He showed that he was able to do it, um, and I think that he should be able to do it in the second leg. Which we should just go there. It's the same lineup, you know. It's proven that it works, um, and I think that that would really give PSG the edge. Um, I one little thought is, I would start Alfonso Riola over the. Oh, Buffon. this is a big. Uh, this is big talk. Why, Why is that? You, yeah, <laughs> uh, I feel like we already have it, uh, a a two 0 win, uh, and I think that Ariola started half of the Champions League games uh, in the group stage and Buffon did the other half. So now I, w- I would see it's just fitting for him to return to the starting eleven, um, and, you know, save in front of all of those fans. Yeah, I mean, I can see that point of view, but at the same time, if he, uh, if he, if they made that change and he came in and made one of his trademark errors, now I, I say that in the <laughs> nicest possible way, because I'm a big fan of Ariola and, uh, uh, we had a big discussion on this podcast at the time Buffon came in, and I wasn't really, I wasn't really for it to be honest. I was more for Ariola playing every game, uh, but at the same time, I think when he's come in this season, there have been a few. It's been some good performances and some high-profile errors too. But presumably, you think that the benefits would outweigh the risk in that uh, in that equation. Yes, yes, definitely. I think I think he's ready to play at that level. I think he. Wasn't bad when he was tested against Liverpool or against uh, the game he, uh, he had to play against Napoli. So I think that he's shown that he does does commit errors and he's still young, um, you know, goalkeeper wise. But he's training with one of the best in history, and I think that there's no better there's no better way to form him than uh, you know sticking him into the deep end. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Uh, I like this. Uh, I like a bit of high risk strategy. It sounds quite fun. Um, uh, and in terms of Man United, then I mean they had quite a tough game this weekend um, against Southampton. It was quite. Uh, I watched. I uh, only saw the extended highlights, but it looked like a lot of fun, and they really got worked hard for their three-two win. Um, what are you expecting from them this time round? Um, has your opinion of them changed since the first leg? And um, how do you think they might? What do you think they're going to be targeting? How do you think they can their weak spots in our team that they could sort of potentially target if they're going to get back into the game? So, uh, uh, Zach, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on on the opposition? 
I'd I'd like to say that they should be atta- attacking the wing, but uh, with no Lingard, and uh, I'm, I think it's yeah. who who will be out again? Martial. Yeah, will be Martial's out as well, most likely. Yeah. It's just going to be harder for them to be attacking through the middle of our defense if we're going to have you know yeah. three center backs back there and Marquinhos. Um, so I don't think my opinions really changed of them. If anything, I'm feeling more confident than the last match just because. We don't know what midfield they're going to be running, and we don't know if they're going to be able to attack you know, the spaces in our wing. So the one thing they have going for them at this point is their unpredictability. You know, It's like we're not familiar with the lineup that they could be putting out. So yeah, that's true. The first half or the first 20 or 30 minutes could be a little interesting because they might be you know, running with something that we haven't seen before. Um, but I think... You know, if we have the requisite halftime adjustments made, we'll be okay. But it's really their unpredictability that has me worried more than anything. Yeah, and I think, like, since Solskjaer's taken over, I think I've been quite impressed with his sort of tactical flexibility because, obviously, he's not a a manager that many people know a lot about. Obviously, he was at Cardiff for a little while and then he's been managing in Norway. But I think since he's been there, in quite a similar way in a less, uh, say, less uh, less successful than Tuchel, but in a similar way to that he sort of can alter his game plan a bit to different situations. So that's what that's one sort of worry that I have, that he might sort of, he might have something up his sleeve, but um, I'm sure we'll we'll have what it takes to counter it. Um, Kose, are you sort of, are there any areas of our team where you think they might be able to, they might be able to get some joy? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I have to agree pretty much with everything Zach said. I think that, uh, they will. I really want to go off of their impredictability part. I think that is a huge part of what Manchester United will be betting on. Um, they, w- of course, don't have their main stars. They don't have their main people. Uh, but that's, that still doesn't mean that they suddenly become a bad team. Uh, and I think that one of the things I really like about OGS is how he's been able to balance his squad uh, and balance the responsibility between his squad. And when Martial and when uh, Rashford weren't firing than Alexis Sanchez was, or Lukaku was. Um, and they've managed to get points out of the Premier League uh, games, and their only game that they've lost is against a, a top-quality European team. So I think that they will have something to hold on to. And I think that the area where our team might struggle is something I saw them struggling with this weekend um, against uh, Khan's monumental forward, Enzo Pirelli, is just really physical forwards. Uh, I think that our defense doesn't really know how to handle forwards that are strong on the ball uh, and uh, really of of big physical uh, stature. And I think Lukaku definitely takes that box. Um, So I think that that would be OGS' safest bet into what can hurt us. Yeah, I think the Lukaku thing's a really interesting one because obviously he didn't really play in the the first leg. Uh, But he does a lot of good work coming in even though he's a massive guy playing on the flank and sort of coming in and I wonder whether Bernat if he's assuming he plays rather than Kazawa is going to have a bit of a more difficult time than he had last time because I wouldn't fancy having uh, Romeo Lukaku I mean I'm not a professional footballer by any stretch of the imagination but (laughs) even if I was one I imagine that having Romelu Lukaku uh, running at you really fast is probably not a not something anyone relishes so I think that that would be a potential worrying area for me uh, because I think we've seen in the Premier League and stuff that he can do damage in that position. So yeah, yeah, he's definitely a definitely a, uh, a different a different weapon for them, uh, you know, compared to the players they had in the first leg. Um, so yeah, well, I think we've sort of talked through the uh, sort of um, the main bits of the of the tie. I think it only leaves me to ask what you think the score is going to be if you would like to give a score prediction. Um, Zach, what have you, have you got a prediction for us? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with uh, 3-1 PSG. I'm going to give one goal to Man U just because uh, I don't want to disrespect them. They're still Man U. That's true. I think they can find a way to get one goal in. Uh, but I just think PSG will be too strong at home and they're going to probably put three goals in. Um, and so aggregate score 5-1 for PSG to move on. Oh, it's going to be a fun evening if that happens. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kose, what do you what do you think? Um, 
So, I don't know. This is kind of a hard one for me. I originally said that both ties were going to end 2-1 in PSG's favor. Um, obviously, the first one went better, 2-0. Uh, but then I think I'm just going to keep my second leg uh, score. I agree with Zach. I think that United have, have it in them to at least uh, you know get the goal once. But I think that even if we just get an early goal or just activate in the last 10, 15 minutes like we've been doing in a few of the last games, uh, I think we should be able to beat them twice. Okay, I like it. So two two victory predictions. I'm going to go a little bit more uh, cautious and say that it's going to be a draw. I think we'll score first, uh, but then I think we'll basically just try and control the game and they might get one back. So I reckon it's going to end one all and... Uh, We'll go through quite comfortably. Everybody will be happy, and then we can start thinking about who we're going to play in the uh, in the latter stages. Um, maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah. It's you know we're well, we do a nice run, really. I mean, it, that's the thing with the Champions League. It's like there's so many intangibles involved in winning it that I think it's really harsh to always if that's your if that's the bar that you're judged against. It's really difficult to to ever achieve your objective because there's so many things that can work in your favour. And I think you look at the draw like Liverpool got on the way to the final last year and they didn't really... They had Man City, who they knew from their domestic league anyway, No, not taking anything away from them because Man City are obviously amazing. But of course. at the same time, the rest of the teams they had to play weren't really that good, whereas we, as we know, get these horrible draws all the while. So uh, Every year. It, yeah, exactly. But I don't <laughs> want to get... When I say we will actually win it, it'll actually be the Champions League because we will have to go to every champion <laughs> in Europe. Yeah, every yeah, former champion. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that would be that would be the perfect way to do it and a, a lovely way to uh, to give the uh, to give the finger to some of our critics, basically. Um, <laughs> so anyway, well, we'll see what happens in midweek. Hopefully, we're not being too premature and we can enjoy a, a fairly comfortable evening. But with PSG, you never know uh, what's going to happen. Um, so a few other things um, so we're on Twitter at PSG Talk hopefully you already follow us and um, Ed the editor of the site uh, asked um, some of our followers some some questions uh, for questions for the podcast so we're going to talk through a, a few things quickly um, just before we start on those um, I think you both brought Julian Draxler up and we we had a bit of discussion of Draxler on the last episode and um, subsequent to that, a few people got in touch on social media and was sort of, because I think me and Guillaume and Mel were all a little bit down on Draxler in terms of his contribution to the team. Not that he's not a good player, but that he's not kind of decisive enough and making a big enough impact. Um, so I got the impression, well, first of all, just basically, I think a lot of people disagreed with us and I wanted to find out what you guys think of Draxler, of his, if you're happy with his contribution, if you think he should be doing more, or whether he's sort of, you know, made himself an integral part of the team because we've seen him in the side a lot uh, recently, obviously, since particularly since Neymar's been been injured. Um, so yeah, thoughts on Draxler? We'll start with you, uh, uh, Zach. Uh, I still think Draxler is an integral part of the team. Um, you're always going to have a couple injuries, and you're always going to need players to step up in those moments. And for us, it's either Angel Di Maria, um, and in some matches, it's uh, Julian Draxler. Um, I thought his last couple matches uh, were some of his best matches he's played. Um, he's a little bit of like a Swiss Army knife, if you will. You know, he yeah. he he used to be a winger, and then we put him in midfield, and he'll play in central midfield. He'll he'll push forward in the attack. Uh, he'll still make plays from the wing. Um, I just think that's a valuable asset to have. You know, he has a lot of experience. He's played with us in the Champions League, and. Uh, Every year we're going to be in contention for four odd, you know, the league, the domestic league, and then three odd tournaments or so. So he he's going to be getting minutes. I'm not too worried, and I wouldn't get rid of Draxler. I still think he's uh, an important part of the team, and it seems like he gets along with a lot of the players too. It's not like there are any locker room issues like we're seeing with uh, Adrian Rabio or something of the sort. So I think you hang on to him and uh, let him do his thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Certainly, a uh, certainly seems like a much less problematic character than Rabio, although that's not <laughs> massively difficult. So, uh, yeah, Kose, um Yeah, thoughts on uh, thoughts on Julian Draxler and his sort of contribution in the last uh, few weeks. Right. Um, I mean, 
Well, if we're, I think if we're talking last few weeks, I have to agree. I think he has been, you know, very, very good for us. Uh, I think he was an integral part of the of the uh, team that took uh, on Manchester, and I think that he has really stepped in for what was needed throughout all the season. I remember at the beginning of the, of the season being very uneasy when Rabio was like playing excellent um, because I didn't see any space for Draxler. I thought he might want to leave, and I thought we would be losing an incredibly, incredibly talented player if he did. Um, so, Abid, I was very happy when when uh, he was able to establish himself in midfield, and now he's been getting closer to his uh, to his preferred position. So, I I agree with Zach. I think he should stay in PSG. I think that maybe his contribution is not as huge as uh, we've come to expect out of the other stars of our team. Um, but I think that that's mainly just because he doesn't always play in his main position and he's really tried around a lot. Uh, and I think he always gives some sort of uh, performance, even if sometimes it can be kind of hot and cold. Um, I think he's overall a, a fantastically talented player. He has a brilliant attitude. He's been with us for a long time now. Um, and I feel that he will be able to get minutes uh, if he needs to. I, I think his only shortcomings... Uh, would be him thinking he's a little bit faster than he actually is. Um, and uh, that uh, sometimes he'll... I think he sometimes rushes into decisions. But I think that um, apart from that, we should try at all costs to, to keep him in our ranks. Yeah, definitely. And he seems like quite happy at the moment. And I think he, he plays a good role in the squad. I think I just kind of feel sometimes that you could get more... It always feels like there's a bit more to come from him. And hopefully with a run in the team we'll we'll see that just in terms of his sort of output of goals and uh and whatnot but certainly a important player to have around and i wouldn't want to uh wouldn't want to give the impression that i wanted to get rid of him or anything because uh yeah decent player um anyway on to the questions from twitter um we've had a few about the midfield situation obviously we've talked about how we might see it shaping up in the man united game but people are sort of asking about the longer term picture if we sort of looking ahead to the summer window, would you be looking for another defensive midfielder or would you try and make Marquinhos as our sort of uh, our starting six for the sort of uh, upcoming season? Do you think he's got a future in midfield or do you think Tuchel's just sort of found a solution and we need to address that? What is still relatively weak area in our squad uh, in the summer window? Um, if we start with Zach on that one. Uh, yeah, that's a tough question, just because I don't think any any of us anticipated Marquinhos playing so well in midfield at this point. Um, we've always thought of him as a central defender, and, uh, and he's just blown us away with his play on the field. Um, I still think, just because of Thiago Silva's age, that maybe you do look for a midfielder. Um, but it really just depends on who's available, because if you find a great central defender that's available to possibly replace Thiago Silva then you might be able to keep Marquinhos in midfield. So it's really about what's available and at what price, given whatever situation we're in with FFP. So um, I know that's not a straightforward answer, but uh, it's more or less just whatever works, um, depending on who's available. Yeah. Uh, I still think I'd be looking for a midfielder, though. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think we've seen with Tuchel, or if, certainly if he's having a influence on the transfer policy i think he's quite a pragmatic guy i think he'll be exactly probably thinking along your lines but um it was interesting you mentioned tiago silva because obviously we saw marquinhos captain the side at the weekend in silva's absence playing in in his usual sort of defensive position so i wonder if that's an indicator of where he might sort of be heading back to next season but we'll see um yeah kose sort of looking ahead to the mercato what would you be doing would you uh be on the lookout for another midfielder um i don't know i feel like uh we've tuko has been fabulous um at finding solutions i think that he's made us have a midfield out of nothing um somehow danny alves is playing brilliantly in midfield um and and he's managed to solve it so i think we're we're good for now but I would be happy to see a very versatile uh, kind of do-it-all player be brought in in the summer. Um, I don't. I'm not saying it should be a uh, star signing. Not not too much of an expensive player, but really a player that can 
really play basically all over the midfield. Um, and maybe it can be kind of uh, Kevin Pins, but saying uh, a Chupa Martin style signings that you just really bring a player out of nothing. But, uh, you know, a squad player that can really step into the team and grind it out in a Coupe de France uh, or a Coupe de la Ligue, maybe some league and matches would be good uh, into refreshing the squad in that position without necessarily costing us as much money. Yeah, that's true. It's sort of like a, a Krachowiak type signing, but who isn't terrible <laughs> because that's exactly oh. what... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I thought was going to happen when we brought him. I was like, right, this guy's played in League One before. He's going to be great. He's going to just be reliable. We're not going to have to worry about him and who can like step in when he's needed and stuff. And then it was like entirely the opposite. So, uh, but yes, I, I I can certainly see obviously the success of two promoting well of sorts. It's uh, sort of is sort of uh, possibly a um you know. Uh, an indicator that that could be a good route for us. So yeah, um, I've had a couple of questions about the uh, sort of younger players as well. Um, at Awesome Cavani on Twitter, hi at Awesome Cavani. I really like your username. That's amazing. Um, says which youngster from the academy do you see making it into the first team, following in the likes of Kim Pembe or Ariola? Do you think Dagba or Diaby could do it? I feel like Dagba is the one. Um, so any particular young player who's impressed you, who think can sort of make that step up from rather than being the Nkunku figure like we've talked about who's always a bit on the edge and always filling in uh, somebody who's not going to be like that who's going to be more like Kimpembe where you're sort of you're not surprised that they're a regular pick or any other sort of young players sort of impressed you in that regard uh, Zach? Uh, I think I'm going to go with a safe pick and say Musa Diaby um, Colin Dagba I just don't know if we've seen enough of him to be convinced by him I mean he did come on against Manchester United in Champions League, so the team does have confidence in him to play. But Moussa Diaby has been getting regular minutes in Ligue 1 matches and Champions League and uh, Coupe de France. So I think Moussa Diaby would be the guy. Um, he seems to be able to make plays at some point in the match when you need a play. In one way or another, he makes he makes it, and that's that's really important. It's almost like Angel Di Maria, where you know he can be more or less invisible, and all the all of a sudden, in a big moment, he makes a play, and that's what we saw uh, from Diaby against Colin. You know, gearing that penalty in the box to to get us back into the match. Um, so he would probably probably be my pick. Yeah, definitely. He's a really interesting player. He always he, when he's there, you always feel like he can make something happen, don't you? That's what I like about him. Absolutely. Just a bit of a bit of energy and a bit of a bit of quality. So yeah, um Kose, any of the young players particularly caught your eye this season or sort of in the younger sort of squads? No, yeah, I mean and and I agree that that uh Diaby is a fantastic player, so talented and so fast. Um I, he re- he really is very dynamic and he likes to play uh, in a variety of positions, so which is the, also something that I like. Yeah. Um, my pick is gonna go to Stanley and Soki. I think that I love me a good center back that can also play left back, and I think he is fantastic with the ball, fantastic without the ball. He's pretty quick, uh, especially for his size. And I think that if and when Thiago Silva eventually moves out, he will be able to step in. Uh, form part of that back three or or back four uh whatever is required yeah okay yeah definitely and i think both those players i think the versatility is going to be really important uh because just by the nature of being an elite club you need to be able to fill in where you can don't you and um and take your chances but at the same time i'm sure from their perspective they want to nail down a place and you know you don't want to fall into that inconclusive situation where you're playing all over the place so It'll be interesting to see how they come on for sure. And I think um, Tuchel's definitely been uh, a good manager for that, for giving the young players a chance. Um, just on Tuchel as well, I think I think I know the answer to this one, but one of the other questions is, should we be looking to extend his contract? Uh, and I think, I mean, for me, I mean, I don't... Contracts don't really mean anything, do they, in football these days? Like, if we wanted, if we gave him, like, really. <laughs> if we gave him a ten-year contract and then we had to fire him, I'm sure we'd just Nasser would like sort of look down the back of his sofa, find a bit of loose change, and it'd be like off you go to <laughs> shell. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what do you, I, I suppose it's a reasonable question, especially given his sort of previous track record, where I don't think he's ever stayed in a job for for that long. Um, Oh, do you see him sticking around at PSG? This is me sort of slightly changing the question. 
Uh, do you think he's sort of going to stick around for the long term? And if you do, do you think we should be sort of giving him a new contract on the basis of what he's done so far? Or is it a bit early to, to sort of make those kind of calls um, if we go to Kose first uh, this time? Uh, well, I've, I've said it before. I've said it again. He's uh, not only an incredible tactician, um, but also an incredible leader. And I think that's really the important, uh, the important quality in a in a in a coach. I know Unai Emery is footballistically a genius, um, but you know when you're not able to when you're not able to make your ideas come alive and come true on the field uh, and make players respect you and follow your ideas, uh, you can be the smartest guy in the world and it's not going to work for you. So I think that uh, I I love Tuchel being in the team. I love that he's been able to switch the mentality and. And change around the style of play um, known to, to PSG and to PSG fans. Uh, but I also am wary of his track record, and I know that he also started brilliantly at Dortmund before he yeah. fell out. Um, and he's also had uh, you know rough patches in his career. And we've seen that he has deficiencies uh, when it comes to rotations, um, or when it, or when it comes to uh, taking the team six or seven times within just one match. So I think that. With all of his liabilities, we should try and keep him. I think he's a great coach. Maybe give him a one-year extension, but not go, not go too crazy. And, you know, see what happens before we do anything. Yeah, sure. I think that sounds uh, perfectly sensible. Uh, Zach, would you agree with that that point of view? I think I think uh, Kose is being much more reasonable than I would be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I th- I would just I would just say you know as as long as you want to coach here, you have the job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, I think he's been really impressive. Um, given how depleted we thought our squad was at the beginning of the season, he's just done an amazing job. I mean, I don't remember being so confident in the club as I am right now, yeah. despite the fact that begin at the beginning of the season we thought this was going to be you know, a disaster for him. And we were saying, poor guy has no midfield to work with. Um, I just think he's done a brilliant job managing the squad. And uh, he has had some small deficiencies, but he seems like he's more or less ironed a lot of those out. Um, the only the only uh, concern I have is his uh, relationship with uh, Antero. And, I mean, that's all more or less just rumors, so we can't confirm it. But I mean, I uh, as, long, as long as they get that worked out, then... Yeah, I, I would give him an extension, maybe one year for now, but I I am not looking forward to him leaving. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the um the relationship with Antero probably won't be a problem beyond this summer anyway. For uh, hopefully I think, not. I think, I think Antero is going to be on his bike, but we'll see. Um, yeah. Oh, great stuff. Um, I've just got one other question which I wanted to add as well. Um, I'd be interested to get your take on it. Um. There's been a bit of talk this week. It's only, I think, rumours at this stage that PSG wants to rename the uh, the Parc de Prince, uh, Parc, yeah, the Parc de Prince, uh, get some kind of sponsorship deal, you know, um, which has caused quite a lot of anger amongst the fans that I follow on Twitter, particularly the sort of the traditional fan base in France, uh, obviously because you know your stadium is very sort of it's very linked to your history, isn't it, and your sense of identity and so on. Um, and I think, like, in England, it's always a big deal when people rename their stadium. It always makes people really angry. Um, so I'd be interested to get your guys' perspective, obviously, because I get the feeling that, like, in American sports, it's a bit more common to have, like, you know, the Home Depot Stadium or whatever. Uh, would you care if PSG had a sponsor for their stadium? Do you think it's a good thing, a bad thing? Do you not care either way? I just think it's... Uh, interesting talking point because it seems to have come up a lot in the last last week or so um uh yeah Kose what do you think um I mean I feel like uh if they're gonna pay for remodelations if they're gonna pay for you know making it a nicer stadium giving it uh, nicer facilities I don't see anything inherently wrong with it I can see of course how it can make a lot of a lot of people angry um and I feel that I would honestly like the name still to remain uh, the Parc de Prince, maybe have it to be, you know, something Parc de Prince, but uh, still being the Parc de Prince in the end. And I think that we'll still be able to maintain the identity with also the fact that there is money that could be directly applied uh, to the improvement, uh, quote unquote, because I, I feel like the park is already a fantastic stadium. But, yeah. you know, uh, little by little, keep making it the best. 
Yeah, definitely. And they've all, they've done a lot, like basically since the QSI takeover. Like you go there now, like not that I go there every week, but it's completely different. Like really, um, you know, so so much changed from the sort of uh, early two thousands when I first went there. Um, yeah, I mean, Zach, what what's your views on sort of potential sponsorship? Do you think it's a good idea, bad idea, indifferent? I I agree with Kosei almost 100%. Uh, you want to respect tradition, and I understand that concern from a lot of the fans. But at the same time, yeah, if you want to, you know, make changes to the to the stadium, and someone's willing to come and sponsor it and and help uh, with those <clears throat> with those changes, I just think that's a deal that perhaps you can't pass up. Um, we've seen what happens when teams take on the responsibility themselves and pay for stadiums like Tottenham, you know, or uh, Lyon, and that can restrict how much you can spend. And yeah. we honestly don't know how much FFP is breathing down our neck. There are rumors, but um, that's a little more important to me than the name. But I totally sympathize with the fans that are concerned about changing uh, the name. And I agree with Kosei that. Hopefully, you could just keep Parc des Princes in the name and then add the sponsor in, in some form. Yeah, it's a really emotive subject, and I, I get why people are annoyed. And um, the team I follow in England, Cambridge United, our stadium is called the Abbey Stadium, but we've had several sponsors over the years, and it's had some awful names. But you kind of just still call it, amongst the fans, you still call it the Abbey Stadium? Like, nobody on like no. the official website and in official you know, in the media and stuff, it gets the sponsor name, but none of the fans sort of pay any attention. And I kind of think that's what would happen in this case if if we were to change our stadium name. Uh, um, I I kind of think it's just a no brainer, really. And uh, like you say, it would be nice to keep the Parc de France in the uh, in the name in some form. But we shall see. We shall see what happens. Um, well, this has been fun, guys. Thanks ever so much for uh, making time to to join me for this episode of psg talking uh zach you enjoyed your return to the uh to the fold absolutely good to be back thank you excellent stuff well hopefully we'll have you on again soon and uh kosei thanks very much hopefully we'll talk to you again soon as well oh yeah thank you for having me great stuff yeah no it's been fun so um all that remains for me to say is to uh visit the website www.psgtalk.com follow us on twitter at psg talk and uh yeah if you've enjoyed what we do please consider taking a look at our patreon page signing up and uh you know backing us to continue i know ed's got a lot of plans for the site and some uh, you know some exciting projects in the works so we really appreciate all the support that we get so yeah all left to say is thanks very much um enjoy the game on uh this week and hopefully we'll be back soon with talking about another good result okay bye Il est cinq heures, je n'ai pas sommeil.